Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
Father, we praise your name and we thank you, Lord, for choosing us for the days that we are in right now, for that assignment has to be one that is separated away from the vast majority of those who do not understand the plight and the dynamics that we're about to experience. We don't understand, at least I certainly don't, exactly what it is that your expectations are for us other than to continue to serve you through our, our, through our own individual prayer and praise ministries and to do good things on behalf of the kingdom and touch and reach out and become Jesus in the lives of other people that are hurting right now which are many. It seems, Father, that things around us are slowing down a little bit, almost to a point of some sort of respite, but yet we feel in our hearts and our spirits, Lord, that we're on the precipice of potentially another satanic attack occurring against the people of the world, only because the threats have been so predominant and um, pervasive that it's hard to understand that there could even be a period of quiet or at least a seeming period of quiet uh, when there are so many evil things that have been overtly communicated as threats, not just threats really, but promises from entities that have and have collected trillions of dollars of people's money illicitly over hundreds if not, well, definitely many, many, many hundreds of years. Father, we don't understand these dynamics. We do understand that what the Scripture tells us to do in order to follow after you and to do the best that we can to be in perfect harmony or at least close, never perfect harmony, but at least as close a harmony to your will as we can be. And we praise you for giving us uh, the word that you have given us through the Bible and through other sources that are probably Holy Spirit anointed as well and awakening us to uh, those additional sources. And we praise you, Father, because it expands our understanding of the cosmology, the universes, the you know the quantum uh, particle physics uh, hologram-like containment area that you have us in right now. Very understandable, very clear that it's in you know articulated in the Book of Job, and it's so awesome to feel in our hearts that at least to some small degree that we have a vague understanding of how that how the universe is laid out and what might await us uh, based upon that which you have allowed us to see thus far also recognizing that you as our father have the power to completely wipe it all out and create a, a new and incredible uh, creation again later at some time in our in the eternity that we are excited to spend with you Lord Jesus, we cannot wait to stand before you. We pray always, and we are praying now. In Jesus' name, please, Jesus, please, Lord, find us worthy to escape all these things. Look upon our hearts. Even though we're imperfect, even though we've been tripped up in the past through dynamics and attacks that were directed against us, even though we reacted perhaps or overreacted um, in such a manner that was maybe just not as graceful as you would have preferred, we pray that you will recognize that we, that many of us have, are undergoing and have undergone traumas and uh, trauma life situations, uh, particularly in the last, uh, golly, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, eight years, um, and maybe even a little bit longer. And we also pray, Father, that you will have extra grace and mercy upon us and 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 
understanding, a special, special type of understanding that can only come from our dear Father that while you would prefer that we were able to walk perfectly in harmony with your will at all times, that being exposed to the things that we're exposed to, even in our individual walks and our work dynamics, if we have them, uh, is is and can be quite it can contribute to the trauma and and the the feelings of deep deep sadness no wonder you lord jesus our our king have used the, the term the beginning of sorrows because if this is the beginning of sorrows then i can't even imagine what the sorrows period would be like i don't know where we fall in the timeline associated with that period but certainly based upon what you told us in the olivet discourse and what we see happening that aligns with the scrolls of the seals having been broken all at one time and the scrolls rolling out together in parallel because we see elements of the fourth seal, the third seal, um, elements of everything, the second, you know, the uh, red horse, all, all of them happening at the same time, but not coming to fruition, always kind of keeping us on the edge of our seats. But when we compare it to the Olivet Discourse and the things that you told us to keep our eyes open for, with the exception of armies surrounding and preparing to attack imminently the state of Israel, um, everything else seems to have already come to pass to some degree. And, could, and of course, we recognize that it could continue but, and continue to grow worse, but it is kind of hard for some of us to imagine the, uh, for lack of a better term, agonizing sorrow that many of us feel when we are exposed to additional information uh, uh, about how dark the darkness actually is. We'll just leave it at that. Not that we're hunting it down and we're specifically looking to deep dive into the darkness, but it's almost impossible to stay a foot of the events that are happening out there right now without stumbling across data that is um, pouring out uh, into the global internetosphere uh, through so many different uh, electronic devices, all simultaneously. It's almost impossible to go out and, and get a... Um, a high-level understanding of the events that are taking place across the world, the food granaries, the granaries that I believe there were three or four major humongous food granaries that were burned to the burned. I don't I don't know what exactly happens. I know all the food is destroyed. One in Turkey, I think two in France. It's unbelievable. Uh, Tyson Foods father coming out and announcing that they're going to have. I guess they've lost too much through the arson events, through the Satanists, and it is impacting greatly their ability to to fulfill the food market. Um, and that's a great – that is a real bad news, uh, Tyson Foods being one of the largest food providers in the world, and so many more. So we see, Father God, clearly that – the forces of darkness, the workers of Satan, these entities that are filthy and abominable in all manner, that that their that the their march marches on. I don't know how else to put it. They continue to do horrible things across the world that are that are ultimately going to contribute to mass starvation, mass death, and we see also the 
um, underpinnings of the framework being put in place that would clearly result in Christians being targeted on uh, mass uh, in extremely large numbers uh, for very specific reasons. Uh, I believe one of the latest announcements was that uh, certain locations, and I'm not sure I've completely pinned it all down yet, uh, I know that it's in the United Nations Charter that everybody's preparing to sign as a treaty that um, anyone, including Christians, and I believe they call out particularly Christians in the actual charter, that disagrees or shows any resistance to abominable behavior will be targeted, specifically uh, targeted in a negative way. Uh, have their social credit score destroyed, have their finances destroyed, have their ability to supply uh, anything for their families, uh, to be able to live normal lives, all completely wiped out and destroyed. Father, we see the black walls of hell moving in against all of your people, and we understand that in Jan Daniel 7.25 there's uh, made mention uh, the saints being turned over into the hands of the evil one for a period of time. It seems, it almost seems to me, but it's hard to discern, that, they, that Daniel 7.25 could per, perhaps, maybe, be broken into two, uh, two parts, kind of. And it, both parts trouble me. It says, he, and Father, I know you know this, of course, but maybe you'll, have mercy upon us and reveal something to somebody that will have meaning that is positive and edifying but it says he shall speak pompous words against the most high check shall persecute the saints of the most high check shall intend to change times in the law check and then it goes on and says then praise God for that word the saint shall be given into his hands for times times and half a time I feel almost in my heart father but I don't know for sure I pray for discernment that the second, the very last sentence of that um, passage where it says, then the saint shall be given into his hand for time to time as I have in time, may be the turning point into the great tribulation at that, you know, at that particular point, because we know that the tri tribulation saints will be dealing with Satan and I guess millions of fallen angels, um, fall, fallen angelic, satanic, alien-esque beings. How about that? It's hard, hard to be able to communicate any one sentence that appropriately captures the depth of the darkness and the complexity of the twice-dead host body entities from the bowels of Sheol that we're dealing with on, in this world. Not that we really want to deal with them at all. But, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that our discernment is revealing that these words in Daniel 7.25 are where it does say um, in the second sentence or the second clause, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, is the period of time that we are in right now. We know what the intent to change times and the law is about because we're, we are clearly experiencing that uh, as the various nations that are under the oppressive hand of satanic, Satan's global satanic crime syndicate's threat of painful, agonizing death 
and horrific. I can't even imagine what it must be like to be under that type of threat. Absolutely horrible. No wonder so many are afraid for their lives and comply. But, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that our understanding and our discernment of the Scripture is correct because it will help us, it helps to guide us because clearly we are, um, we clearly we are um, uh, in, in a period of direct satanic persecution, which I refer to, of course, as you know, as the black walls of darkness moving in closer to us, each of us. None of us want to be here, Lord. I, you know that earlier I looked at uh, Luke twenty-one thirty-six. pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things, and you know that I looked up the word all because I wanted to try to embrace the accuracy of my understanding and discernment that I might hope for all of us and all of our behalf in prayer that the word all does mean all to a point where there will be those of us who have been seeking you fervently, not perfectly, but fervently for a very long time, who are awake and aware of the things that are happening right now, who are praying uh, for millions and millions of lost people across the world who do not know Jesus and also our fellow brothers and sisters in very large numbers that are striving. I know I am. I know that many of the rest of us are striving very hard to make all the necessary changes, seeking you and beseeching you, Father, through the presence of the Holy Spirit and you, Lord Jesus, through your presence in us to guide us and lead us and and pull us in the direction that we need to walk if there is anything that any behavior any feeling any anything in our lives that isn't exactly where you want it to be to you have that power for all, all things are possible through you Matthew 19:26 and we need your guidance we need that holy righteous right hand of yours father god to nudge us along the this narrow path and to proverbs 3 5 make our path straight as we do the best that we can as you bring us through our trials and tribulations to a place where we have no choice and eventually do find comfort in letting go and trusting only you we praise you for the in, in that same regard for not only being guided into a place in our lives to our trials and tribulations where we do ha- where we have no one else we can turn to but you which is a good it's a good place to be when we learn to understand it and to um i the word i to bask in it to bask is that the right word to soak ourselves in your divine presence and to understand that you know, as our minds swirl around with all of the oppressive thoughts of the darkness and the threats that have been levied against us over so many years, and we know that they're not empty threats. We know that they mean exactly what they're going what, what they say. And so our anticipation is that these things are going to happen at any moment, even though things may seem a little quiet right now. We don't believe it. For good reason. We're trying to be wise as serpents. And we will be gentle as does. But we're going to need all the help that we can get from you, Father, to guide us and to hold our hands, Lord Jesus, to keep to to, to keep that promise in Proverbs three five. Um, you know, even if we're just 
even if we're human sometimes and we fail to fully trust you at the, at, at the magnitude or the level, or the to, I don't know what, what the right word is, in, in, in a level of totality that I think Proverbs 3, 5 is leaning toward, a level of trust where we take total comfort in the middle of all of the turmoil. I know I myself, Father, and I pray for others, especially those who are experiencing similar emotional dynamics um, in their walk. I pray for all of us, Lord, and I ask for your understanding and mercy and continuous anointing upon us that we're able to make the necessary changes that we need to make. But help. But I'm hoping deeply that you understand, and I know that I believe with all of my heart that you do. And as each one of us are working fervently to grow closer to you, and we praise you for, I, I mean, the experiences that I'm feeling right now, and really only in about the last couple of days, maybe about three or four days, has been that when I am not, when my eyes are not closed and I am not, one, I don't know what to call it, 100% immersed in your presence and focused on your presence, focused on your presence, Jesus, talking to you, fervently praying, to, um, again, immersed, soaking in it. I don't know how else to articulate it. But when I leave that bubble of immersion in your presence. I don't know how to I don't know how to I don't know how to put it into words. But when I when I am forced to do my job, go and set things up in the office and make, you know, try to do things that I ought to do that are prudent as as a person who is trapped in this place for this time being. I noticed in my heart as it's my mind it spins around and and uh, recalculates and reassesses um, it, performs a type of a evil inventory to understand all the things that could and might happen so that at least we have an opportunity, however so small, to be able to have some preparations on in the earthly realm for what we feel relatively certain are events that will likely happen in on I, I don't know how again on relatively short notice whatever that actually means father we praise you for bringing to our recollection and our understanding the the fact that the russian uh the russian uh, special operation in the ukraine is quickly approaching the end of its second year as of February, which is only a handful of months away from the day that we are now. And to be cognizant of the amount of time that has passed by that didn't have to be this long, but was, we do see the provocations of the war dynamics across the world um, in Niger, um, the ECOWAS uh, nations still threatening to uh, attack Niger uh, under the control, uh, satanic control of the Illuminati out, out of France and the deep, deep, incredibly satanic control of the fallen seraphim, the filthy abominations that have been allowed as watchers lording over us, reptilian beings, again, from the darkest parts of the very existence of the cosmos most filthy creatures, the behaviors that are too dark to even repeat. 
yet we're surrounded by them and we're aware of them. We can see oftentimes their attributes, uh, alien-human hybrids controlling members of Congress, witchcraft, uh, turning on and off uh, various congressional leaders like a light switch, filthy abominations on a level that no one really even wants to be aware of, although we are instructed to be wise as serpents. So few of us truly are. There is a price to pay emotionally for that, that, for an acute amount of understanding in regard to what we're dealing with. But it also helps us to pray more effective. I believe it helps us to be able to carefully, carefully choose just the right words when speaking to somebody that we want to witness to so that we don't scare them away. I mean, really, for lack of a better term, scare them away and shut down the conversation because it horrifies them. It really, truly horrifies them to even imagine that things could be as bad as we are fully aware they are. Father, none of us want to be want to be captured. I don't know what the right word is again. Captured, um, cornered uh, by the transformation of the financial system into the central bank digital currencies and the digital ID. We recognize that that is an imminent threat against our very existence and could result in many of us losing our ability to function, even the most simple functions like putting gas in our car or continuing to work in the workplace. I mean, Father, you know that I was shocked beyond words to actually see that my company was releasing ESG policy statements publicly. The sickness and the darkness, the twistedness of this horrible dynamic that is unfolding across the world far beyond what most people are able to grasp and embrace fully and let alone to understand it particularly and sadly our fellow brothers and sisters in the evangelical communities across the uh, United States of Babylon the Great although there are so many other countries where the Christian groups are so busy just surviving that they probably have no time nor interest in being able or understanding of it. So many diverse dynamics happening right now, Father, that it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to be aware of all of them. We pray for discernment through your Holy Spirit. We pray for discernment that you know that that and that we would not jump to conclusions in in our research and our try and our attempt to understand these dynamics as they unfold. We're just asking you, please, Father, if it is at all possible, that Luke twenty one thirty six is utterly literal. So when those words all are being used, we hope so much, so deeply, Father, that your mercy is as deep as it says it is in the Scripture. The entire book of Psalms, I forget which chapter, your mercy endures forever. And Father God, we just pray that that word all in Luke 21, 36, which ought to be all of our mantras, it ought to be the number one prayer that we pray every single morning on behalf of ourselves and our families and loved ones, that we would be able to escape all these things, including the CBDCs, including the digital IDs, including the the social credit scores, including the shutdown of our ability to function here on this earth and pay our our mortgages and take care of, you know, have a dwelling place over, a roof over our heads. 
I will admit, Father, I am ill-equipped to be Elijah. I would not be able to survive in a cave. <laughs> so I'm praying in the name of Jesus, Father God, that uh, that every single word in Luke 21:36 is absolutely as literal as literal can be, and that your barley harvest, first fruits, deliverance, and rescue mission will be timed perfectly to help those of us who have been serving you um, with great um, with great emotional dedication. And um, wh- however that is that we have been serving you, whether it be through our own individual prayer ministries as shut-ins, uh, whether it be in any fashion that you have laid before us as an opportunity to, to stand on holy ground and touch other people's lives. Father, we pray that that somehow that can be accounted as talents, somehow that that could be accounted as uh, attributes in our walk, while not perfect, that may help us to be found worthy to escape all these things and to be able to go as the early arrivers, the first arrivers at the wedding supper. I can say that that is, bar none, the number one most important thing in my heart. I want others to be saved more than anything. I want our fellow brothers and sisters that are struggling, even those that have taken the 1,000 milligram red pill, it's the only way I know how to use an analogy to describe it, as well as those, as well as those who only understand a few of the things that are happening. Father, we just pray that you're somehow there's that that you will have so much mercy upon your people, the people whether whether they're kind of baby Christians or just barely awake and aware, or maybe they're in the middle somewhere and they're doing a pretty good job of waking up, but they have a long, long way to go to really get it. Father, we just pray that you will touch these people somehow supernaturally. We do not understand these things. We do not understand how you impart that wisdom, how you move people on that chessboard of uh, this existence to the next level. We don't understand it. We don't know how we got where we are. We just know we are where we are. And that leaves a lot of questions, which also takes us back to that blessing of being in a place in our walk through whatever trials and tribulations, difficulties and traumas that we have been put through, recognizing that the only place of true solace, the only place of true peace, that feeling that I have had the last three or four days where if I was not immersed in your presence, immersed in praise, immersed in in total um, just immersed in your presence, immersed in, in, in prayer. The moment that I come out of that, I don't know, maybe the secret place of the Most High because of no, having no choice but to leave it, because of having to go and dress vines in the vineyard. And as Paul said in Second the Thessalonians chapter 3, if you don't work, you don't eat. And that is so much more true today. I can only imagine how true that is today, because there certainly are not uh, ecclesias and gatherings and churches that were of the same level of giving and and sharing. Um, 
today as there were during the apostolic era, era and time on this earth. Father, we just praise you and we thank you for this opportunity again to, to, to come together in this electronic ecclesia, whether we're listening to the live stream or whether people are listening over a podcast. I pray in the name of Jesus they will gather together with us in one accord and pray as we will tonight and have been thus far for your mercy upon our lives, your direction and your anointing that we would understand at least enough to be appropriately prepared and ready to be found worthy worthy to escape these things that are coming. All of these things, that word all is so very important. And we just pray, Father, that your mercy goes that deep that you would not have those of us who have been fervently serving you for such a long time uh, in whatever manner have to endure the absolute horrific life dynamics that are sure to come to those who are um, persecuted by the social credit scores, the digital IDs, the CBDCs, and now, Father, they're even injecting, they're just, they're poisoning everything. They're poisoning the air, the water supplies with graphene oxide. They're manipulating the DNA of ticks and bugs to cause widespread meat allergies so that we essentially starve to death. The magnitude of the darkness. I I cannot repeat some of the things that I heard today, and I did not want to hear them. Simply trying to keep my fingers on the pulse of the dynamics occurring across the world to know when when to duck. And we just praise you, Father, for helping us. Uh, we none. I don't think any one of us expects an archangel to appear before us to tell us to duck. We're going to somehow need a supernatural touch to be ready for that which is coming our direction. We are certainly not for lack of due diligence and study, certainly not for lack of watching, watch ye therefore the commandment of Jesus many, many times, warning us that if we do not pay attention to the events that are occurring across the world, we will be utterly caught off guard, which is true. And we don't want to be that either. And we pray, Father, that you will continue to help us to find, to be able to, where everything is a lie here now, as you know, Father, and your scripture is very clear that all liars will be cast into the lake of fire. And so it is infinitely more difficult for us to be able to discern things because essentially we have to wade through lies coming at us from every direction and then find somehow through correlation a match that has multiple match vectors that can help us to discern what the underlying truth is most likely to be. But that is about the best we're going to be able to do in the dynamics that we're in right now. When are they going to attack the electrical grid? When are they going to take down the financial system? Is it going to be a cyber attack? When are we going to be disabled and have to live off of food supplies that we've stored up, even if they're minor or trivial in comparison to the length of the 
outages. None of us understand these things. None of us can prepare for these things. None of us can, but there's nothing that we can do. And we do trust you, Father, and because we trust you, as it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because we trust you. And, Father, I cannot praise you enough to, for the place that you have brought me to where I have no choice but to trust you. Full abandon, throwing myself out there, many of us are, in a place of great risk, great um, life-threatening risk. Um, Not that life on this earth means anything to any of us. It certainly doesn't to me at all. And um, I just praise you, Father, for bringing me to that place, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to bring more of my fellow brothers and sisters and those who are praying now to that place where we can take comfort in only one place, and that is you. Certainly where I am right now. I have nowhere else to turn. No fellowship, really, not to speak of. People are getting extremely busy at their own, you know, maintaining their own survival um, in very challenging and difficult life dynamics. And that makes us even ever so much more dependent upon you, Father as we do the best that we can to navigate the ambiguity of the darkest time the earth has ever seen, knowing that it's going to become even darker. But we give you all the glory, Father, and the wonderment of whatever it is that you have decided that you want us to be able to do on your behalf, because we do want to shine the lights. We do want to be able to help other people understand that it doesn't have to be perceived as the end for them. In fact, the most appropriate way for all of us to be looking at all these dynamics is to embrace that this is the beginning of our beginning. And we thank you for helping us to understand that. This is truly the beginning of our beginning, the beginning of our walk in all of eternity in glory and ecstasy forever and ever in your presence. So much more glorious than any of us could ever imagine. In our wildest dreams, there's no way possible. No matter how many books we study of people taken to heaven, no matter how many testimonies we listen to, there is no possible way for us to get our hearts and our minds, our spirit immersed in the glory that you have that awaits us. And then and beyond. It's just hard to even imagine having to endure the thousand-year millennial reign here on the earth when all of us are so excited about even going further and beyond. We just pray for your mercy, Father, your anointing and an abundant outpouring of grace upon each of us, helping us. Father, we embrace Isaiah thirty twenty one, where it says you will hear in your ear behind you a voice saying this is the way walk in it whenever you turn to the left hand or whenever you turn to the right and father we need to be able to hear that voice sometimes it's not audible I can say from my own personal experience that I was directed in, in extremely dark uh, traumatic circumstances to find somebody uh, just a horrible horrible night indeed but Yet, somehow, miraculously, the wheels of my car turned into the correct alley. It was, it was unbelievable. Nobody could understand how my car went to the right place. I do not understand how my car went to the right place. 
But somehow, even though I did not hear your voice tell me to make a left turn or a right turn, it went the right way. I ended up at the right place. I didn't even have to go around the block. It was a direct head-on, I mean directly to the place that I needed to go. I thank you, Father, for responding to my prayer to you as I was driving the car that night, saying over and over again, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Just over and over again, for lack of anything else to think of in regard to prayer. That's all I could think of, just needing that car to go where to, to where it needed to go. And sure enough, it did. And we pray, Father, that you will continue to help us, anoint us, impart upon us, impress upon our hearts uh, so that we know how to feel that guidance, how to allow you to direct our paths in such a way that we go where you need us to go, that we pray when you need us to pray, that we take the appropriate path to serve you in the manner and in the capacity and the magnitude that you have designated for each of us and that are written in our books before we were born. Psalm 139.16, praise your holy name. We thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Father God, for bringing us to this, this moment in time. Every two or three days that go by between programs, I'm always, I just don't, I don't even know how I feel. It's mixed emotions. It's mixed emotions because I deep, deeply do not want to be here anymore. And I know that my fellow brothers and sisters that have communicated with me have shared exactly the same emotional you know, feelings as well. When the scripture says that you will persecute or that the Antichrist and his antics will end up in persecution of the saints of the Most High... Um, when we read the prophecies, hear the dreams and visions of the people that, particularly the prophetic word, ha- that for more than eight to ten years now has been over and over again saying that you recognize that we are weary. You recognize that we are essentially exhausted with all of this. And then words of encouragement follow toward the end of the prophecies, but these prophecies have been prophesied now for well over ten years. We pray that you will have mercy upon our perception of time, knowing that it is not your perception of time, and knowing that you have a mission to accomplish on behalf of the people that are that you intend to bring home with us. Through the power of our prayers and through the anointing of the heavenly uh, powers and authorities and angels and that which we call down through our prayers, but well, we know that you would want not one to perish. And Father God, that is a very tall order. And we also know that the scripture admonishes us to let us know that so few will ultimately make it, which is sad. But we see those dynamics unfolding before us every day. And we believe with all of our heart because you have told us in your word and you are not a man that you would lie. Therefore, they must come true. So when you tell us that when we pray for in the name of Jesus for something and we believe that we will receive it, that we shall receive it, allow us to let go of it. Not to stop praying, because we never stop praying. We never cease praying for the same things over and over again. We are the persistent widow of Luke 18. However, we believe. The reason we pray is because we do believe. If we didn't believe, we wouldn't bother praying. 
And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you will continue to honor our petitions that we have before your throne as we continue to pester the great king, as the persistent widow did, trusting that because you are our Abba Father, that you will, at just the perfect and right time, honor those prayers and that we have nothing to worry about, and that we just put complete trust in you, knowing that it will eventually come true, never giving up, always continuing to pray, and always believing and praising you for the end result, because we know it's coming. We thank you for revealing these things to the hearts of babes. We thank you for revealing the... Um, the harmony of uh, Abraham, Abraham's knife in his hand and the Isaac moment to help us to understand how you test the righteous and that you expect us to continue to believe. You expect us to continue to praise your holy name for that which we do not see and that which we have not received. And knowing that at the very moment, should we, sadly, through the flesh, decide to stop praising, stop praying for those items, that it might have been the last nanosecond uh, prior to us receiving that blessing, and to never, ever cease in our prayers and our praise. We thank you, Father, for revealing these things to us, helping us through our actual life experiences here, forcing us to come to places in our walk where we have no other choice but to trust you. And then to discover that in the turmoil of all the stuff going on around us, all the threats, all the ugly and the abominations, to recognize that the only place of peace, which ought to be the case anyway, but isn't naturally, our only place of peace is in your presence in the secret place of the Most High. May we benefit by your promises in Psalm 91. And may we not be here, standing before the Son of Man, first arrivals at the marriage supper, such that we don't really have to experience all of Psalm 91. We praise your name, Father. We are hopeful. We want to believe and will, in, in our hearts, believe and have that hope that you, and that faith through your word and our belief that that word is, you know, whether or not we want to deep dive into the Greek and look at, you know, all kinds of different uh, information on the meanings of possible meanings of words. At the end of the day, Father, all means all. And we want to believe that that word means exactly what all the dictionaries, what all the Englishmen's concordances, what all the lexicons say it means. And we're believing for that. Not because we believe we deserve it, but because we're trying as hard as we can to be obedient to your word and trusting you. Thank you for the perfect peace that many of us only feel in your presence. Thank you for bringing us to a place through the trauma trials, tribulations, and extremely difficult events in our lives that we would feel, emotionally experience a place where, in our lives, where you are, that it's not out of a sense of duty that we seek you, but it's because we're hungry 
for that peace. We know you're our Father and that you'll take care of us. We know, Lord Jesus, that you love us and that you have loved us before, uh, you, before the earth was even formed. And we praise your holy name for all that unbelievably awesome word throughout your scripture that I pray in Jesus' name that every single listener of not only this program, but any of the programs, Father God, and then thousands and thousands of them over the last, uh, golly, what, I guess 12 years or whatever, I just pray in Jesus' name that, that people will just let their own personal feelings go, not be prideful about their, what they think that they believe. Just let it all go. Let you be God. Embrace Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 8, 2. If anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing, yet as they ought to know. But also recognize that we are kings by your choice, Father God, when we uh, seek to understand things that you have kept hidden from us. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It's the glory of God to conceal of the matter and the glory of kings to search it out. And understand that we should not feel guilty for exploring who you are and who we are in this incredible, uh, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, most people just default back to this idea that we're watching God's movie unfold. And I suppose that's just what we're left with. But it's so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. The words do not do it justice. And we just want to thank you, Father. We want to praise you for the trials. We want to praise you for the tribulations. We want to praise you for the traumas. We want to praise you for the attacks. We want to praise you for the lack that we that many of us experience in fellowship right now because it brings us to a place that the fellowship that we want the most is that with you directly. And we thank you for that. Because it's the place that we must be at to be ready to leave. It's one thing to be forced to leave your dwelling place because all of your means, all of your earthly means have been stripped from you as an outcast. It's a completely different dynamic to know in your heart that you don't want to be here and that nothing even if you're a nesting type of a person and in your dwelling place you put up all kinds of decorations and pretty things and to make it very comfortable for you to live in, but at the end of the day it really doesn't mean anything. And if the opportunity for us to leave was presented, we would go in a – there would be beyond any shadow of no looking back, no hesitation, no, no time for even thinking about the answer to that option if it was provided to us because we would be so fast. We would be running into the arms of the angel. We'd be running – Toward you, Father God, that we wouldn't. There, there really wouldn't even be a split, split second of thought that would allow us to have a second thought about whether we want to leave or not, because we have wanted to leave so badly for so many years that we've forsaken virtually everything of this earth. And we praise you for that, because it's a beautiful place to be. And we praise you also, Father, for having the mercy having so much mercy for us when many of many of our fellow brothers and sisters in different parts of the world are suffering in magnitudes and levels that we cannot we, we just simply can't relate to it we cannot relate to what it's like to be a north korean christian we can't relate to what it's like to be a chinese christian we can't relate to, to what it's like to be a sierra leone christian we have no idea that the environments the dynamics the government wars the things that they're going through the ripping down of the churches the persecution that is occurring the murders of the christians that are occurring in certain parts of the world we cannot relate to them because we have never experienced them and it is not a threat that we feel is quite imminent yet but we we know it is a threat that is heading directly at us like a torpedo 
And we praise you for helping us to understand how awesome it is to trust you. We praise you for helping us to understand that when we're just taken aback by how quiet things appear to have become, creepily knowing in the back of our hearts and minds and our spirit that something big is very likely to occur, but not having any any inkling of when that might be, and then discovering that the only place of true peace is in prayer and praise in the presence of the Godhead, that secret place of the Most High. What a gift. What a gift that is to go through whatever it is we all need to go through to come to that place, that place of glorious, holy reckoning. And we praise your name for that because without that, I don't know where any of us would be. We all have to come there. We all have to be ready to run into your arms. And I think pretty much we, we I, I can't speak for other people, but I can tell you I definitely am ready to go. I've been ready to go for a really long time. I praise you, Father God, and I thank you on behalf of every single listener of this show, past, present, future. Father God, in the name of Jesus, anoint them, touch them. Father God, divinely protect them. We call down angels of endless, you know, an innumerable company, as your scripture says, of angels in Hebrews 12.22, Father God. We call down protection upon us, holy fire to surround about us, Father God, uh, to use our spiritual warfare tactics, prayers, and the weaponry that you have uh, clearly laid out for us in the Holy Bible, and to use it wisely, and to use it in a manner that affords us the greatest amount of protection and also the greatest ability, or at least the most stable ability, to be able to navigate life in such a very creepy, creepy, dark place right now. Oh, yeah, we can go outside and walk around and look at the trees and look at the beautiful brooks and the waterfalls and everything, but we're never able. How can we let go of the darkness that is attacking us even as we do this, even as we meet right now? We're very aware of it. And we thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for helping to nudge us, to funnel us into that secret place of the Most High as the one place that we can go to that we desire to be because it gives us the peace that we truly need to have when things are so utterly uncertain. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father. Hallelujah and amen. Tonight is August the 11th. Friday, August the 11th, and the time now is 7.54 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm, ah, here we go. And the Hebrew date is the um, 24th of Av, 5783, if my eyes are focusing properly, as I find myself growing older (laughs) every millisecond of the day. Um... I just praise you that I can even focus on these things 
and be able to give you glory. Father, tonight together we light the Sabbath candles or the Shabbat candles or whatever you want to call them. Maybe just the glory to God. We thank you for this chance to praise you and immerse ourselves in your presence. We light the we, we light the joy and gladness candles maybe on your behalf, Father God, to lift you up and glorify you and to bring a presence into our presence that draws us in. I light three, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. God bless you all. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, the Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav V'ratzavanu V'shabat Kodsho V'yavahu V'ratzon Hinchilanu Zikaron Lemase Vereshit Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh zechelitziat mitzrayim. Ki vanu vacharta veotanu kidashta Mikol Hamim Vishabhat Kodshecha Be'ava Uvratzon Himchaltanu Baruch Adonai Mekadesh Holy Lord Jesus, <clears throat> Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our souls, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood. And Father, purge it with the refiner's fire, your holy fire and our greatest weapon against darkness. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before I move on into the uh, remainder, this, this prayer vigil, I, I have, I don't know, you know, I never know how things are going to turn out. So I apologize in advance if I deviate from what I think I'm going to do, because I don't know. But I wanted to share this with you. I've had it queued up for, several long weeks now. And it was an interesting prophecy from Behold I Come, Sister Julie Wedby, excuse me, broken into like two sections, unusual. Um, And I think there's an emotional connection here in the description that Sister Julie provides embedded within the actual prophetic word explaining how she felt before and during the download of this information from our from the Most High. 
She says that on uh, and it goes back. Like I said, I've had this in the prayer vigil notes now for an awful long time, but I've never gotten around to sharing it in case you've missed it. And she said, I was in prayer crying to Yeshua and like each day asking him when. And I want you to note, please, that there are three question marks after the word when. So that would be a sign of when frustration, in my opinion. And I understand that frustration. She goes on to say, how much longer will evil be permitted to continue like this before you, our Father, transforms the remnant? Then a scene in the spirit opened to me, and I saw a magnificently decorated wedding scene with colors and flowers that cannot be described in earthly terms. I saw many, many souls, along with the angels busily busily continuing to prepare things, and a huge table was set up with the finest tableware. Jesus pointed to the seats and told me each one was specifically held for one of us, his bride, and our names were there at the place setting. He was smiling as he was showing me the arrangements and the decorations and and um, asked if I thought it was beautiful. He spoke these words below and, and ended with the most warm and encouraging words we would want to hear. The Lord said, Oh, my daughter, my bride, there is such joyous celebration in my kingdom as the feast preparations are being completed. Many who have gone before you are rejoicing continuously as they eat, as they're eager to meet you as you arrive. The final touches are being made, and you have so much to look forward to. There will be dancing and singing, great rejoicing, and you will come together at this spectacular appointed time. You cannot imagine the detail and the intricacy that has gone into every aspect of the preparations and decorations for you. Because of my love for you, the beauty of what I have made for you will astound you. Nothing here on earth can compare to the brilliance and magnificence of my rewards for your obedience. Look up and do not be discouraged. All is in place now and ready for this great day. Oh, what? Oh, what is it that I hear? Wedding bells? Yeshua. Interestingly, then, it takes a shift into a different direction. And she receives another um, another word almost immediately and uh, combined. And it shifts again and it says, My beloved, the darkest part of the night approaches quickly. Boy, Father, you can say that again. I am the only shelter in the midst of the storm. <laughs> Just what I was talking about. Thank you, Jesus. For those who do not know me, This will be a darkness like no other, palpable. But for you, my faithful ones, the darkest part of the night means the morning star will arise and you will be shown the rewards of your obedience. With judgment now comes deliverance for my faithful ones. Meditate upon this. As you reflect on past relationships, situations, and challenges, you see how I have shaken and shifted, refined and molded along the way. Opportunities for choices to follow me have always been available for my creation. And now comes the time for those who made the choice for righteousness to enter into their reward. Many others will still have a very short time of opportunity to choose to, cho- oh, to choose me, but the experience will be much more difficult a one for them, as has been foretold. 
After my first fruits, many with the hardest of hearts will finally be set free as the larger harvest is brought in. See, this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. This is awesome. This aligns. I promise you, I, I know I've had people make comments and say, it sounds to me like Julie is a secret closet listener to all of your radio shows because the harmony, the synchronicity of what she, what, what is prophesied through her aligns un, perfectly, <laughs> perfectly with everything that, that the Lord has revealed to me and that I've taught myself over the years and years and years and years and years of doing this stuff. And it's just amazing because there's, it's such rare revelations. For example... Let's look at this again. It says, as you reflect on past relationship situations and challenges, you see how I have shaken and shifted, refined and molded all along the way. Now, all I can say is I'm raising my hand, and boy, has it been hard. But it was necessary. Then it goes on to say, opportunities for choices to follow me have always been available for my creation. And now comes the time for those who have made the choice of righteousness to enter into their reward. Many others will still have a very short time of opportunity to join me, but the experience will be much more difficult than the one, uh, you know, much more difficult one as been for, as has been foretold. Now, here's where it really gets amazing as far as the synchronicity, the perfect alignment with the things that the Lord has shown me over the years, and I've talked about many times. It says, after my first fruits. Now, I'm going to stop right there because it is really, really clear when you do your, your Bible, when you read your Bible and you look into such matters and you pray over them over a long period of time, God will show you. And the barley harvest, look, it, it, I didn't go hunting Hebrew practices, Hebrew practices, you know, the things that they do and why they do it and different times of the year and all that kind of stuff. I, didn't, I never did a formal study on, it, on any of that. But God plucks out pieces of information that I need to know at just the right time. Like for, for years and years and years and years and years, I had no idea what an omer was and the counting of an omer. I had no idea that an omer was a, a sheaf of barley. I had no idea that Shavuot and that entire gathering of the omer is considered the first fruits. I didn't know any of that stuff. I never did a. I never read a book on the celebrations or or the practices of the, of the you know the, of, of the of the Hebrews. I had, I had no idea. God plucked out those pieces of information and handed it, them to me at just exactly the right time. Because if I hadn't have known other stuff beforehand, I wouldn't have comprehended the significance of the Omer. So here when she says, after my first fruits, see right there. So basically, another way of saying this would be reflective of Luke 12, verses 35, 36, and 37, okay, where Jesus comes for the first he comes for the second and the third watch. Okay, so after my first fruits, many of the hardest of hearts will finally be set free and the larger harvest brought in. Now, this is so important. I'm going to highlight it in the color red. All right, for my own purposes. Okay, I wanted to jump off the page at me the next time I look at this text. Again, after my first fruits, this is so vital to grasp this. After my first fruits, so another way of stating this is after the barley harvest, I gather the first watch. 
many with the hardest of hearts will finally be set free as the larger harvest. That is so vital to grasp that. And most, I don't think most will quite fully grasp it, and I'm going to try to rectify that now. Okay, so, so I, I cannot bring you, I wish I could somehow, supernaturally bring you to a place where you could see from, you know, like a 100,000 foot level looking down upon the earth with Revelation chapter 6 in your right hand, the Olivet Discourse in your left hand, and an acute understanding of the global events, the um, the things that are happening around the world and how they all map over to the different parts of the Bible, to be able to discern to some degree with a little bit of confidence how these things are, at least the big events are going to unfold and what what it is that we will likely miss versus have to partake in, etc. Okay, now now that's a very difficult, that's a big, big thing, and it's very, very hard to get all of that information out. But, and I've tried, but it's been, it's been broken across a whole bunch of different shows because I had no choice. But anyway, so again, after my first fruits, after my barley harvest, after the first watch, many of the, harvest, the hardest hearts will finally be set free as the larger harvest is brought in. That is the wheat harvest. That is the final harvest. Now, why would that harvest, the final harvest, okay, okay, and why is it the final harvest? Because nobody else is getting harvested once the Great Tribulation starts. The people that are deemed as part of the Tribulation Saints, part of the Foolish Virgins group, they, are, they will have the seal of God on their forehead. They will be protected from the stings of the locusts, but they are going to go through hell on earth on a, in a magnitude and in a level that nobody can possibly comprehend. It is going to be utterly horrible. Now, I have some extremely advanced and esoteric understandings in my heart because of my own personal experiences that I believe there will be a subset of the bride of Jesus Christ after the wedding supper, I guess, is over or something. I don't know when, but I was told by somebody who frequented heaven on a regular basis, was taken by the angels to heaven on a pretty regular basis. I was told by him that, that we will be taken. He, he just said his exact words were, John, when you arrive, they will, they will take you into another room and ask you if you want to go into eternal rest or if you want to take the mission. And he said, take the mission, John. Take the mission. Well, naturally, my spirit starts to churn with all this information. I've got mathematics and geometric symbols and trigonometry and everything is spinning around in every verse that I've ever read and recall. And thing, I just, you know, and it all just swirls around and I'm analyzing, 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 trying to figure out what can this possibly mean? What can this possibly, what is this mission? So as best as I can tell, and I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to convince you to believe as I do, but I believe as I do because of my own personal experience, my own personal testimony, and what was told to me. And the only thing that I can figure, and it certainly does line up with common sense uh, eschatology, if you understand the players, the actors, and the pieces that make up the movie of the Great Tribulation. Suddenly, Revelation 11 with the... Uh, the two witnesses, which is the olive tree and the lampstand, those who have the testimony of our Father, those who have the testimony of Jesus, um, uh, which, you know, where do they come from? 
I've heard all kinds of suppositions out there when people are trying to decipher Revelation, but it, it's just loaded with gaps and inconsistencies and incorrect. Incorrect. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. It's not right. And so if I know that through the process of elimination, knowing, knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that the 144,000 have absolutely nothing to do with a group that gets uh, uh, raptured. Nothing to do with it. Although it's such a popular assumption on the on, – it's just a sad, sad thing. It really is. It's so inaccurate for a gazillion different reasons. There's a reason why we have to take things literally in the Bible. And when I mean literally, I mean literally. You have to exhaust 100% every possible thing. And if you don't have an understanding of uh, the cosmology associated with our existence, if you don't understand the fallen angels, uh, how uh, Satan is cast down from heaven and not allowed to go into the, the throne room of God anymore uh, with his fallen angels as part of the day of the Lord and the alien uh, beings that our Heavenly Father, the armies of them that our Heavenly Father sends that are not part of the fallen angels that he sends in Isaiah 13, Joel 2, to, reek, uh, to reap... Um, uh, uh, um, I don't know, what would you call it, uh, to, to punish the unrighteousness. I mean, the unrighteous. It's all over the Bible. It's all part of the day of the Lord. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a repeating theme throughout the Bible. Let's just put it that way. Okay, and it's, it's pretty horrible. I mean, you know, chopping children into pieces. It's right there in Isaiah 13. These are not humans. These are entities from another place. Okay, and... and, and uh, Oh, praise God. But when you know all these moving parts, who's who in the zoo? You know, who's that group? Who's that group? Who are these people? Who are those people? Why are they being sent? When are they being sent? Where is that in the Bible? And you can stitch it all together. What happens is it all starts to make sense. So this concept of being taken into another room and, and having this – whoever these people are, <laughs> maybe it's some of the four and twenty elders. How do we know? We don't know. All Brother Larry said to me was, they will take you into another room and they will say – do you want to take the mission? And he said, he admonished me with the firmest of voice and said, take the mission, John. So obviously he had insider information that was beyond my comprehension and and in, insisted that I take this mission. Evidently, there is some sort of supernatural, divine, eternal reward with being so jacked up about doing awesome things for our Father in the kingdom uh, that you couldn't possibly consider not taking the mission, no matter how, you know, no matter what you went through in the earthly realm. And um, when I look at all of the actors, all of the players, all of the groups, all of the uh, pieces, the moving parts of the Great Tribulation, the Revelation chapter 11, the two witnesses, all that. Knowing that it cannot possibly be two bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv with an Abrams A1 tank shooting at them for three and a half years. Understanding that because of process of elimination, the fire that they shoot out of their mouth for 3.5 years has to be for the period of the Great Tribulation and has to be a weapon. 
Then I map that back to the experience with Brother Larry where he told me to take the mission and I suddenly have an epiphany and I realize and I'm wondering why are all these anointed uh, YouTubers uh, that, you know, this is going back 15 years now, you know, definitely 12, um, where um, so many of them that back then I used to listen to and I wish some of them were still around. I don't know where they've gone and it's none of my business. And some people have even claimed that like Seraph uh, Fatou Traore was uh, an, an, an angelic being, uh, you know, and I, you know, I don't understand all of these things. I just don't. But when you put all the pieces together, it strongly indicates that the two witnesses are actually a subset of the bride that accept the mission and are sent down to the earth to use the holy fire of God to help our fellow brothers and sisters that are cast, cast into the Great Tribulation as the Tribulation Saints and the Grape Harvest, which is mentioned literally as the Great Harvest, it, using the NLT version of the Bible, reading Revelation 14. It actually calls it out as the Grape Harvest. I don't know if, if any of the other translations do. I don't think the King James or the New King James do, but the NLT does. I think that's fascinating. Now, when we go back to this prophecy and just take another look at it, it says, after my first roots, after the barley harvest, after the first watch, many with the hardest of hearts will finally be set free, and the larger harvest will be brought in. That will be the final harvest. Now, why would that harvest be so much bigger than, the ones that, than what we're doing right now? You know, we're working on harvest. All of us are working on harvest, whether it be through prayer, whether it be through witness to our family, whatever it is that we are trying to do our very, very best. But what's interesting is that this is all captured in Matthew 22, where Jesus answered, I'm reading this right out of the Bible, Matthew 22, and let me just double check. Okay, yep, and it's New King James, which is my go-to for what memorization, etc. It says, and Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, and to me, this does, this isn't a parable. This is, this is a newspaper. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't look at parables. I don't see anything parabolic at all, if that's the right word, and if that word even exists, parable-like at all in any of the parables in the Bible. To me, they are literally newspapers. They speak precisely, and I, I don't know. I hope that that's the way it is for you, but it's definitely that way for me. I literally see an instruction manual, a newspaper, uh, something like that, a roadmap. It's clear as a bell. All right, and it says right, right here in verse 2, it says, the kingdom, I've read this many times, but this is so relevant to what I just read you in that prophecy from Julie Wedby. So let's go ahead and visit it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, which is our heavenly father, who arranged a marriage for his son, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Now, this is really important because we need a hyperpause. What do you mean, Johnny? What is a hyperpause? I'll tell you what a hyperpause is. A hyperpause in, is something that I made up, and I and the reason I made it up is because it, what I'm trying to the message I'm trying to send by saying we need a hyperpause here in this particular passage is because there is this very huge transition that occurs in the very next verse. But you got to feel it, you got to discern it, and then you got to dig in and make sure that you're not, you know, that the translators didn't goof things up and start putting words in there that they thought, you know, it, they do that. They, it, it's, you have to understand Strong's 9999 and all that kind of stuff where they fill in blanks 
and it opens doors for human error and everything else under the sun. But anyway, the point is, let's just look once again at the first part of that. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king or heavenly father who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants. That's us. Hello, raise your hand. And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Stop. Right at that point, inject the barley harvest. Right at that point, inject the first fruits. Right at that point, inject the first watch rescue mission. Because that's exactly what's going to happen between verses 3 and 4 in this passage. Why is that so important? Because it explains. When you go back over to Julie Webby's prophetic word, again, I'm going to read it again because we've got to really pound this into our heads so that we're able to see the correlation of these things scripturally unfolding before our eyes and confirming what, we already, uh, what I definitely have already believed in my heart and have preached and teached on, taught on many shows. After my first fruits, after my barley harvest, after my first watch, many of the hardest hearts will finally be set free as the larger harvest is brought in. Now let's compare compare that to Matthew 22 again. We know that, that our Father has sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. We know that because we are in that place right now, whether it is because they, uh, we, when, we, uh, when we witness to them, we strike fear into their hearts. We, you know, they, they share with us something that's happening around the world, the CBDCs and the WEF and all the evilness and all the, and the pandemic stuff and the threats of electrical grids going out and all the other things that people are hearing all around. Around them, and don't even get me going on the whole Donald Trump dynamic. It is not even worth visiting that. Anyway, the point here is why would the wheat harvest, which happens during the day of the Lord in Revelation 6 12 through 17 ultimately, why would that be such a big harvest? By comparison, where it says here in Julie Wedby's prophetic tongue, uh, set free as the larger harvest is brought in. Why would that be the case? Because as the dark, so when the whole world is blown up, when darkness, aliens are all over the place, call them what you want to call them. I don't care. People get their panties and, and, and their bees in their bonnets and whatever, uh, you know, over, over things that are just not important. And, and we're admonished in the Scripture to not allow that to cause separation. But we do. Heaven forbid we would want to be, you know, talking to anybody about anything, any advanced thinking things that go outside of the box. We shouldn't want to do that. Even though the Bible tells us we will be rewarded as kings for doing so. But so few understand their Bible. But anyway, listen, think about it. When the world is blowing up, more and more people will be calling out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have live testimonies. I mean, the woman who was there literally tells her testimony of how she was standing in Thailand. I don't know what city it was, but it was when uh, the 2005 December um, uh, uh, mega tsunami occurred after the 8.5 or 9 or whatever uh, uh, earthquake occurred out in the Indian Ocean. Okay, that gigantic tsunami that movies have been made about. Well, she was, saw the water come rushing directly toward her. She was a Buddhist. She saw the water come rushing directly to I – could, I could look it up on the radio show console and play it for you right now, but I'm not going to take the time. But the point is she said in her testimony, I saw the water heading directly at me. She was standing inside of some kind of a pagoda or something, uh, you know, uh, whatever, and, and um, 
She grabbed a hold of one of the pillars holding up the roof of the pagoda or whatever, the building, you know, this open building that she was in. And she grabbed, she wrapped her arms around one of the, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, pillars or, you know, uh, whatever. And she grabbed a hold of it with all of her might because she knew the water was going to hit her and kill her probably. And then she, for some reason, she shifted. So here she was, a dedicated Buddhist, practicing Buddhist, and she never said, Buddha, help me. Instantly, she changed right there on the spot and started to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, help me. And the water literally parted and went around the little, I don't know, pagoda thing that she was in as she was holding on to the the, uh, structure. See, it is when that tsunami is heading at you. It is when that volcano is about to erupt upon you. It is about when all heck is about to break loose. When the darkest of the darkest times occur is when people in massive numbers will start to cry out to Jesus, which, by the way, is captured in Acts 17, uh, Acts 2, 17 through 21. And it goes, you know, blood, fire, and vapor, smoke, and all those who call out upon the name of the Lord will be saved, which we will see a lot of. But the people that are a part of the wheat harvest, okay, the wheat harvest, which is the final harvest, which in Julie Wedby's prophecy is referred to as the larger harvest being brought in. Why would it be so much larger? Because there are going to be so many people horrified. And there, therein lies why it is so important when you're reading Matthew 22 to put that big giant pause between that first part that I've read to you already. Because verse 4 starts out and it's a whole new... I don't know, phase. In verse 4, it says, again, comma, he, our Heavenly Father, sent out other servants, other servants. I looked up that word and absolutely it existed. It's not a Strong's 9999. Nobody translating it guessed. Maybe it might mean other. Maybe it not be there. Maybe we should add it or none of that. That word is literally in the Greek. It is in the presence of, it's in Scripture. There. So again, he sent out other servants. That word other means another group of people. Which, by the way, once again aligns with this prophetic word. After my first roots, after my barley harvest, after my first watch, many of the hardest of hearts will be, uh, finally be set free as the larger harvest is brought in. See how that works? Then we go back to Matthew 22, and we want to, now we want to know what happens to the second group, because we're gone now. We're gone. The barley harvest has left. Officially, when it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out the servants, us, to call those who were invited to the wedding, but they were not willing to come, that is happening right now. Verse 4 says, again, he sent out other servants. That means that the first group is gone. And where are they? They're at the wedding supper. Pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about, all, all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. I believe the Bible means what it says, and when the word all is there, I embrace that word. Does that mean that you're going to completely, I mean, what, what about the people in Namibia? 
what about the people in, 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 in different parts of the world, China and North Korea and the Christians you know, in, in, in Somalia and all, you know, and of course there's going to be places on the earth where there's incredible, intense, bloody persecution of Christians. There always has been. Praise God that he has shown some of us, uh, probably every person that's got the ability to listen to this program, whether, whether recorded or live, uh, incredible mercy. We're not running from our lives from North Korean soldiers in the middle of the night in the dark. Thank you, Jesus. So it, it goes on to say, it says, again, he sent out other servants, a whole different group, saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. So right there you have the persecution, massive persecution, murder, slaughter, killing Christians. So this seems to indicate to me that the barley harvest, the first fruits, the first watch evades that. They get taken out before that happens. So again, it says, but they made light of it, and they went their ways, and one to their own farm, and another to his business, and they seized them. They grabbed those servants, okay, the people that are part of the wheat harvest. Okay, they treated them spitefully and killed them. Well, the first group is already gone. That ought to be us. And it says, but when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murders and burned up their city. Okay, so the, this would be synonymous with judgments. Our Heavenly Father levying... Our Father in... This is the best way to just look at it. Otherwise, it will get confusing. There's a timeline of events that Satan and his minions that are coming against the world right now, there's a timeline that they see in their satanic sickness. So when you hear testimonies of people that are supposedly taken by aliens and shown the future, that's a timeline. Does it mean that that timeline doesn't exist? No, it surely does. You can believe that. They were shown a timeline. They were shown a particular future. And that future is nothing like the reality that is going to happen. But the entities of darkness do believe with all of their heart that it's going to happen. What to, See, you have to understand that God injects judgment, which deviates the timeline, which changes the plan of the enemy, which interrupts the evil that they were about to levy upon the people of the earth. The reason that this is so important is when you see where it says the king heard about it and he was furious and he sent out his armies to destroy those murders and burn up their city. I mean, you know, there's so much in here. I mean, even the word burn up their city is, could be easily uh, mapped over to the possibility of some of the ground-based nuclear events that we know are going to occur eventually. 
And it says in verse 8, it says, Then he said to his servants, the ones that are part of the wheat harvest, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into, listen to this, therefore go into the highways. And as many as you can find, invite to the wedding. So those servants, the wheat harvest folks, so those servants went out into the highways and gathered all whom they found, both the good and the bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Amazing. And then it even goes on to that mystery, which I absolutely love. It says, but when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called and few are chosen to be the bride. So when they're gathering the good and the bad, and they're, they're and God through his mercy is allowing them to escape the earth, which is going through unbelievable deadly turmoil, every to the left, to the right, up, up, down, fallen angels, alien invasions, nuclear war, you name it, it's all going to be going on. That's an act of mercy, but it doesn't necessarily mean in the collective group of the good and the bad that were collected, gathered, whatever you want to call it, and brought in as guests to, guests to the wedding hall, it does not mean that every single one of those people were qualified to attend the wedding. So when it so taking this literally as we ought, hopefully, okay, it it you know it, you look at this and and oh my gosh, you know your your average church preacher is going to tell you, oh yeah, they were cast into hell. That's where the wailing and gnashing. No, has nothing to do with nothing and has nothing to do with hell. The outer darkness, if you study your Bible appropriately, means simply the words shadowy area. And if you know the layout of heaven, then you understand why it's a shadowy area. The only reason that there is no shadow of turning in heaven is because that is in the city of the living God, our Father. And that glory light that comes from the throne room of God lights up 24 by 7 all of Mount Zion. It is totally lit with the glory of God continuously. 24 by 7, 365 as we would say, except we, of course we have no idea what the rotational period of that planet ultimately is, this interdimensional multiverse planet that God has is residing on, very similar to how he resided in Solomon's temple and everything. But anyway, it's very fascinating when you look at this because, it, it's again, it's the shadow area. It just means you're, they have to leave the pearly gates area. They have to go outside the pearly gates. you got to go in. You know, they're going to be cast out, whatever that means, probably escorted out, and taken into the suburbs area. Now, can you imagine what it must be like? You're, you're thinking to yourself, you're probably bawling in tears, heaving tears of relief that you were somehow fortunate enough to be in this incredible place of glory, uh, ha you know, having no idea what heaven is like, having never heard a testimony of someone being taken to heaven, no inkling whatsoever. You're one of the bad that were gathered during the wheat harvest, and 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 you find yourself suddenly sitting there in 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 this unbelievably, I mean, my goodness. Can you imagine the actual wedding supper and you're sitting there and someone says you have to leave? What do you suppose that person's going to do? 
See, so when it says wailing and gnashing of teeth, everybody thinks, oh, they're burning in hellfire and they're wailing. and See, you have to understand that behind these words is a translator. The point is, would that person be heaving, crying, miserable, brokenhearted beyond words that they were not allowed to stay in Mount Zion and attend that wedding after seeing all the glory and everything? Of course they would be busted up. They would be terribly, they would, they, of course they would be crying their eyes out. Yes. And, and so basically it just means that they're escorted out of the city of the living God. They're escout, escorted outside of the pearly gates. They're taken out into the outer suburbs. And yes, there is night and day. There is shadows in that part of heaven. Amen. And so, of course, it would be into what they refer to as the outer darkness. But if you look at the words in the Bible, it says shadowy area. And of course, there will be people that are sad. Why would you not be sad? I would. I would be devastated. But we have all been blessed with a deeper understanding of the scripture and the layout of heaven and the different heaven dynamics and earth dynamics that those of us, if we did not make the cut for some reason, which I wouldn't understand why, but if we didn't, we would probably be able to take it better than somebody who didn't understand. The more they didn't understand why they were being asked to leave that particular place that was so full of glory, so full of angels, so full of amazing, I mean, just the experience of being in the presence of glory light and the glory of God. From the testimonies that I have meditated upon of the people that have been taken to heaven is an experience that is so ecstatic ecstasy-filled, that you cannot articulate it. There aren't words to describe it here on the earth. We don't have the vocabulary to describe it. There aren't. We can't do it. It can't be done. It can't be done. Just accept it. And so that person who has no idea, and they're flipping out, and they're going, this is amazing, and then they're told they have to leave, most likely escorted out. And by the way, every reference to being cast into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and nailing and teeth, which I believe there is approximately three of, every one of them happens in heaven. So ain't nobody that's going to hell is going to be in heaven first. So how theologians get these notions in their heads, I, for the life of me, will never be able to understand. Praise God. But look, this parable, Matthew 22, is split into two, sec two pieces, two major parts. The part that talks about us now, and then the other group that gets the larger, they, are, they pick up the larger harvest, okay, and they become, you know, guests at the wedding hall. Well, then compare this, compare this to, um, again, Luke um, uh, 12, uh, 35, <clears throat> Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Well, what is this? I mean, this is could not be – there's just no possible way to make this any more clear that this is a direct reference to the wise and foolish virgin's parable. Your, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. 
Okay, A big theme that is woven all throughout the parable of the wise and foolish virgins is this concept of having oil to keep your lamps burning and having enough of it that you, it overflows into your vessels, uh, which is a, that's a whole other teaching. But I'm just saying, you know beyond any shadow of a doubt, this is a direct reference to the wise and foolish virgins. No doubt about it. Well, they, in verse 36 says, And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master for, for uh, when he will return from the wedding. Well, where's the wedding at? It's in Mount Zion, city of the living God, with innumerable company of angels, just men made perfect. Um, I mean, please, it's all there in the Bible. It's amazing. Well, Jesus is returning from the wedding. And it says that when he comes and knocks, that they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, where? At the wedding supper, and will come and serve them. And if, and if he should come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. Now, where's the first watch? At the wedding supper. So here's your three groups. Barley harvest, wheat harvest, grape harvest. Barley harvest, first watch, in heaven at the wedding supper. Wheat harvest, second watch, on the earth gathering the good and the bad and going through the highways and the byways and grabbing everybody they can possibly get their hands on. And believe you me, there are going to be a lot of willing people after the three days of darkness because the final harvest, at that final harvest, the actual official time window of the, quote, final harvest occurs 40 days after the three days of darkness. And that's why Isaiah 60 verses 1, 2, and 3 is talking about those who are in the wheat harvest. Um, hold on a second. Let me think this through. Uh, okay, Isaiah, see, there we go, 60 verse 1. Let's see if it picks it up. Yep. So, like, right here, we know that this is the wheat harvest. This, these are the wheat harvest. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now, you see, you got to understand... Okay, so like when we leave, it's like a twinkling of an eye. It's like <laughs> boom, and then we're you know there. Okay, so we are like Jesus at that point. We are in our transformed bodies. We are in our spirit bodies. We are light beings at that point. We are minor gods at that point. Okay, we are like Jesus. Okay, and where are we? Well, we're at the marriage supper. Standing before Jesus, pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. Praise God. Okay, why are we standing before the Son of Man? Because the Son of Man is going to be at the wedding supper. All right? So when you look at Isaiah 60, verse 1, 2, and 3, you see, Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, this shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. What is that? Three days of darkness. The sun will turn black as sackcloth of air. Revelation 6, verse 13, I think it is. It's right there. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. They're going to be bummed out. They're going to be scared to death, screaming for mercy. And the people that come out of their chambers, uh, 
Isaiah 26, verse 20, I believe it is. Or is it 29? No, I think it's 26, verse 20. Because right there it says, um, go into your chambers for a little while. I'm just doing this from memory. You know, go into your chambers for a little while until the indignation has passed. That indignation is the aliens, the, the otherworldly, the, the, they're aliens. They're alien beings that live somewhere else in the universe, and God sends them. The word is Shamayim, and it means where the planets revolve. It's talking about outer space. And our Father sends them as a mighty army down to the earth as an act of judgment against the unrighteous during the three days of darkness. Well, we are commanded, okay, uh, or whoever's here at the time, uh, to go into our chambers. What kind of chambers? Wedding chambers, okay, right? Okay, to um, uh, for, for a while until the indignation is passed. Well, fascinatingly, the word indignation is not only located in Isaiah 20 verse, I'm sorry, 26 verse 20, when we're supposed to go into our chambers, okay, until the indignation is passed. Not only is it located there, but it is also the same exact word that is used in Isaiah 13, when um, uh, when God is talking about uh, how he's sending these, a- these alien armies down to the earth to render judgment upon the unrighteous. Read it. It's all there. See, and it even goes on. It says, uh, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you, meaning that they will have glory light. They will be in the midst of transformation, not full transformation, but in the midst of transformation. When the people that are here on the earth that go into their chambers until the indignation is passed, Isaiah 26:20, when they go there, they will transform. There will be angels present. There will be glory light inside their dwelling places, just like it was in in Israel during the Passover. Go back and read about the Passover. Understand that the darkness was tangible. You could practically feel it. Understand that those who put the blood of the Lamb in the shape of a cross over the doorpost, okay, understand that they had light in their houses. That was glory light inside their homes. Okay, that happened back in um you know, back uh, before the deliver before Moses delivered them uh, out of Egypt. Okay, the, 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 it's going to happen again. Okay, and that's going to happen when we, you know, those who are here go into their chambers for a little while until the indignation is passed. That's why we are told, you know, that those who are told about the three days of darkness are told not to be even looking out the window because they're going to see horrible things. And I don't understand. You know, there's all kinds of interpretations and belief systems out there associated with what you can do and what you can't do. All I know is that. The, pe- the one person that I had have uh, uh, communed with their information regarding what happens during that period for those of us who are in harmony with the Holy Spirit and full of the glory of God when we are in our chambers until the indignation has passed, the three days of darkness, that angels are singing in our presence that the, that that there's this sparkling aura one one person had described it as one of the most she had said um that it was like one of the most beautiful Christmas scenes that she had ever remembered with her family, with lights twinkling of all different colors, glory light everywhere, angels singing with them, and they were immersed in supernatural ecstasy that was beyond words. And when they exited that chamber, e.g. their dwelling place, they were glorified. They were glowing with glory light, and people came running to them to be saved, but also others ran away from them because they were scared. 
that is the final harvest. That is the wheat harvest. So I just find it absolutely fabulous that um, this prophecy from Julie Wedby, Behold I Come, which was published on April I see different dates, so it looks like it came to her in pieces in, in different chunks. Uh, but uh, it looks like the official publication date is April the 20th of 2023, so it wasn't all that long ago. After my first fruits, after my barley harvest, after my first watch, many with the hardest of hearts will finally be set free as the larger harvest, the wheat harvest, the final harvest, is brought in. And you just saw where it is, in multiple places of the scripture. And then it goes on, still more will require more shaking. Who could that be? That would be the grape harvest. That would be the tribulation saints. With the seal of God on their head, so the locusts don't sting them. And I've heard all kinds of opinions and thoughts and whatever and feelings about what the locusts are, but the Lord revealed to me very, very clearly that they look exactly like the alien uh, creature in Prometheus, also in the um, Sigourney Weaver multiple films entitled Alien or Aliens. Uh, that being is what the locusts look like. So if you're curious... Go look at that being. And by the way, that was confirmed for me through another saint who does not know me, has never listened to the radio show, and put up a post on Facebook that I do not hang out at. I never look at Facebook. And the very – the fact that I even saw it is like one in – what? It's got to be like one in 10 billion that I would have seen it. But I did. And she was all excited and round-eyed and freaking out and going, the Lord showed me that the locusts in Revelation 9 are those beings in Prometheus. And I'm like, that's fascinating. I wrote an article about that in 2010. <laughs> Praise God. So it all just kind of comes back around. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. And it says, still more will, be re will require shaking. So this would be the great harvest. These are the tribulation saints. You say, when? When, Lord, will you come? When will you deliver us from the darkness? Watch and see now, my children. Watch and see what I will do. Stay alert. Be ready. And at every moment, carefully discern all things as the enemy roams the earth and seeking to kill and destroy as never before. Well, that pretty much echoes the mandates that Jesus has put. Watch ye therefore. Watch and pray. We're not supposed. I know it's freaky. I know a lot of us need a vacation. Me too. Me too. You don't want to be doom scrolling continuously every single day. It'll flip you out, and it's definitely not a good place to emotionally reside. However, I will say we are admonished to watch. It says, my insulated wall of fire. There's the fire of God will protect you and my angelic guard surrounds you always. Be sober and vigilant. All is about to change. Never fear. Do not despair, for your king is here, and I go before you. Praise God. I don't know about you, but for me, reading that just now was very, 
very cool and super exciting because it aligns to all this stuff. It's amazing. Praise God. Rise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me, 
for you are my dove, hidden in a split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship, and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together.
Now, at this time, I like to use holy oil. I do this every morning. <clears throat> and for those who do not know this, it is very important to know this. I don't have time to give the entire testimony on all the gruesome events that were surrounding it, but um, at a point in my life, I was under extremely heavy attack. There were others that were under heavy attack as well, but I knew from experience and from intense study um, that I was under attack by a witch coven that exists somewhere up in the area of Holiday, Florida. There was a number of things that were brought and impressed upon my heart and recollections of things that I had seen, which confirmed that also. Uh, you, know, you just know. Um, things like police cars driving very slowly past where you're standing. And when I say very slowly, I'm talking about maybe one mile per hour. That's about one to two miles per hour is basically very slow walking. And that's also the car was moving. That's what they do. These the, the, the police are heavily involved in the witch covens and all the blood sacrifice ceremonies and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah, just like in the movies. But anyway, I spent a lot of time fighting because the situation was – it was bad. And it was – this is not a place that anybody wants to be. <laughs> you do not want to be targeted by a witch coven because everything goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. And you know that there's just no way. This cannot be. It's never happened to me in my entire life. And it somehow, you know, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, you just know that you 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 are under attack by an organized group of forces. Okay, and I just know the circumstances, all the surrounding circumstances. So I just it was for me it was like a no brainer. Well, I had to so that so I'm trying to bring you to the point where so in my desperacy, I needed to get rid of – I needed to shake this witch coven. I had to get rid of them, okay? I had to. And the way I was praying, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't working, <laughs> okay? I, it just wasn't working. So I started to look deeper into different ministries that specialized in worst-case scenarios. And it doesn't get any worse than satanic ritual abuse, disassociative identity disorder, SRADID attacks. That's the worst. It doesn't get any worse than that. So those are, those are the creme de la creme of the deliverance ministry people. They take on that which nobody else will deal with. I can tell you that I went to a Bob Larson seminar in person with Barb Larson you know, the whole time for about three hours. And he came right out and he said, I won't do SRADID. He won't do it. You know, there's a multitude of reasons, but and I understand those reasons as well. But anyway, um, so in my conquest to get my life back in order, I was drawn, pulled very, very hard, unstoppably, to dig deeper and dig deeper. I needed better weapons, <clears throat> and I, I don't, uh, you know... I needed better weapons. I needed better spiritual warfare tactics. I needed something that was stronger, more powerful, more effective, and got rid of these things. Okay? It's like, you know, you're using ortho home defense to get rid of some roaches, and you're not really being successful, so you go out and you buy a bunch of, you know, whatever, um, borax powder or whatever the case is. But the point is, I needed stronger weapons. I knew that I did. 
and I went out and I, I, because of all of the work that I've done in this realm, SRIDID and all the people that have been on a radio show, I learned a lot of things and I knew where to go. So when I went there, I went to the, they had a booklet or prayer booklet that they had used and there were, I just, as I was reading through it, I was like, ah, that's it. I need that. I need that paragraph. Then I go down three more pages down. Oh, I need that. I need that paragraph. And so I started to, what I did was, you know, it's like grappling fighting, you know, where people are using taekwondo and karate and boxing and jiu-jitsu and they mix it all up. They mix it all up. So what I did was I took the best part of each, you know, I, some, some of the prayers I just ignored. I was like, I don't need any of that. 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 But I need this and I need that. And I took them and I put them together. And I said, boy, this and this is going to be really powerful. But then the Lord revealed even more to me. He, I got a phone call from a pastor out in the Portland area, and we were talking, and he said, you know, the Lord revealed to me that the fire that is coming out of the mouth of the two witnesses is the Zechariah 2, 5, holy fire of God. And I was like, wow, because that was, un, you know, I didn't prompt him for that information. That information was totally random and given to me because God wanted him to say that to me, to confirm it. Confirmed a lot of things, by the way. So anyway, um, praise God. So I'm sharing that with you because, I, and I'm not picking on anybody. If, if Listen, I know because I talk to them, I have communications with them, and some people love to enumerate every little thing. They, that's, they love it. That's what they love. So when they do spiritual warfare prayers, they – and by the way, there were some prayers like that in the um, SRADID handbook from KA. And AAN Canaan Ministries in South Africa, and boy, if you want to find a place that's full of devils and demons and possessed people, that's where you want to go. But anyway, um, and yes, in some of those prayers, they enumerated a lot of stuff. You know, they would come against this, and they would come against that, and they would come against the keyboard, and they would come against the computer, and they would come against the Wi-Fi, and they would come against the 5G, and they would come against the sneakers of the person. And, and I'm like thinking to myself, yeah, come on. It can't be that complicated. So anyway, what happened was the Lord revealed to me how I needed to pray. And I'm not saying that this is – I'm not saying – Hey, everybody, you have to pray like this. I'm simply sharing my testimony. Now, I admit when somebody's telling me that they're praying over every, you know, little bitty thing, every pen, every pencil, every cell phone, every, you know, walkie-talkie, every uh, spoon and fork in their entire house, if that's the way they want to pray, I do smile to myself because I went down that street already. And it's just, it's not necessary, <laughs> It's just not. Okay, but a lot of people, look, if it increases their faith to pray over every little nook and cranny, it'll be a better prayer. So, I know, you know, good for them. Praise the Lord. If they're, if they're anointed, touched, and blessed by coming against every radio wave and every button on a computer or whatever the case is, praise the Lord. At least they're doing it. Hallelujah. But anyway, the Lord, you know, um, I can't explain it. I just knew, and I did, and it happened, and, I, and it worked. It worked. It worked really, really well. And I can honestly say that my greatest 
My greatest personal enemy right now in my walk aren't people in witch covens. I got them taken care of. And they, I guarantee you, they shake in their shoes to even think about coming after me. I am, that is not a problem for me. Having, I got all that stuff totally under my thumb. All right. My greatest challenge is me. Me. I am my greatest challenge. My flesh. My humanness. My looking at all the evil things that are happening across the world right now and getting bummed out. That's my greatest problem. Because I can tell you, when you're dealing with darkness of this magnitude, it is really hard to shake it. If I told you one of the things that I happen to be exposed to today, first off, it would be unrepeatable. I could not repeat it. There's no way I could say the words that would be necessary to share with you, but it had to do with Mike Pence and someone who had seen him in a satanic ritual ceremony and what he had done in that ceremony. And I will not repeat it. Now, anyway, um, and interestingly uh, and mind-blowing, it is for me. You may not be able to relate to this, and that's okay. But I'll share it anyways, because it's true. So about five years ago, it wasn't five years ago. I don't know. It was a long years ago. Robert Vandrius Mitchell, <clears throat> one of the shows that he was on, he had said that he saw, we were talking about world events, just world events. A whole, just the whole deal, everything that was going on around the world. And he said, you know, Mike Pence came up in the discussion at, at one point and he said, oh, yeah, I saw him, you know, he, he said, uh, I saw him shapeshift. I, I was at a satanic ritual ceremony where I saw him shapeshift. And I remember this, now think about it, this is like five years ago. Okay. And I was taken aback by that. I was thinking, well, here, he's an evangelical Christian, you know? So why, you know, I was, so I thought to myself, I was blown away. I was just blown away. I was like, what did you just say, man? What did you just say? And he repeated it as clear as a bell. I seen him shapeshift into a reptilian and do all this horrible stuff at a satanic sacrifice ritual. And I initially doubted what he said. I had a very hard time accepting what he said five years ago you got to do I'm, I'm i'm estimating five years ago well guess what that information's all over twitter right now it's all over twitter right now so here we are we were blessed to have brother robert come on the program and his monthly visit and tell us over a half a decade ago that Pence was a reptilian. And now it's all over Twitter. Now, you don't want to listen to it because, unfortunately, the person disclosing the information gives out details that you can't forget. And they're details that you want to forget, I assure you. So I see that as a powerful blessing because 
I can't, if, you know, I'll just use the colloquialism. If I had a dime for every time, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I'd be on a beautiful wooden 40-foot yacht off of St. <laughs> Martin doing the show with a huge uh, Internet uh, uh, parabolic dish. Praise Jesus. But anyway, so let's go ahead and use spiritual warfare tactics. You can do it however you want to. If you want to go out and find Canaan, Canaan Ministries uh, in South Africa, look for their satanic ritual abuse. It's like they call it a hand, uh, handbook or something like that. Um, it's right on their website. Just hunt around. Um, but anyway, um, go through it for yourself. See if you find a different um, mixture of prayer tactics that works better for you if, that's, if you feel led. Praise God. But after some pretty long, drawn-out, convoluted prayer tactics that I, as I was morphing, I was changing my tactics and adjusting them. When you're at war, you're always doing that, by the way. So spiritual warfare is very much like earthly warfare, okay? Like Ukraine versus Russia or whatever. You know, you've you got to understand if they're going to flank you and go over to the left, you need to understand what your move is going to be. You need to anticipate those moves and you need to be three exits ahead of them at every moment. Sometimes you've got to switch out your weapons. But the cool thing for us is once you realize that the holy fire of God is bar none, the single most powerful weapon in all of creation. Oh, and by the way, this is also captured in Combat in the Spiritual Realm, How Satan Stops Our Prayers. So when I, I've covered it, multiple, um, I don't even know how many times I've played that show. I keep playing it over and over again on purpose because I know that I've had the, every single time I read that white paper, I see something new that blows me away. Information that I, I gotta have. I gotta have it. And when you, what you discover is when they, when the uh, Satanist or ex-Satanist converted Jesus lover was telling on the devils and what they do to block prayers in the spiritual realm, he explained that when people would pray through, press in, and their prayers were very fervent and they were submerged in the presence of God, when the prayers became that powerful that they would blow up in the holy fire and the, and the prayers themselves would just be like a tornado of holy fire and it would melt through the firmament this stench stinking horrible area where the demons exist okay uh, it's it, I, it's hard to explain because we're not able to see it but really it's kind of like the earth is like in a molded milk ball and the think of the chocolate is like this really filthy demonic covering okay and our prayers need to be able to break when you're speaking in English, not when you're speaking in tongues, but when you're speaking in words, you need to really lean in on it because your your prayers will turn into holy fire. And when they turn into holy fire, uh, in that white paper, it was very clear that all the demons, all the principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness and high places and thrones and whatever you want to call these entities, all right, they scatter and run for their lives. Ah! They're horrified. 
that your very prayers have turned into the holy fire of God. They cannot exist in that realm. They cannot be anywhere near it. And they run in terror. And I thought, hey, that's the weapon I want. And it's right there in the Bible. So um, that all that met, uh, morphed into these prayers right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, and on behalf of every listener of this program and everyone who is participating, whether or not it's live, whether or not it's recorded, podcast, doesn't matter. Father, we lift each other up in prayer, and we pray in the mighty name of Jesus against all of the darkness that might attempt to come against us, for there is much. In the name of the Lord Jesus, at this point, we turn our prayer attention. We speak to the mountain, and we are looking at the demons. We are going after them directly. That's how it works. You don't say, dear Heavenly Father, make the demons go away. It doesn't work. You will never get results that way. You have to take your weaponry and point it directly at the demons. It goes from you to them. Okay? You cast the demons out just like Jesus did. Okay? It's between you and them with the power of Jesus Christ, but in this case, with the holy fire of God, which is even more powerful. Well, it's you know on the same level, but it's the strongest weapon in the arsenal of weapons that you could possibly use. Now, at that, so at this point, Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you for this anointing. We thank you for these divine revelations. We thank you for the horrors that I've been put through and the traumas that I've been put through, because if I hadn't been put through them, I would not understand any of these things. And it's because of your mercy and your blessing, I'm able to bless others and help them maybe choose these same types of tactics to help help get the devils off of their back as well. In the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, any entity of the darkness, any worker of Satan, any live or dead human spirit, any member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that you set your wills against us, you shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God. It will shoot down from the glory pillar in the throne room of God and burn you into screaming agony in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Making a public spectacle of you, an example of you across the demonic ether in the demonic realm. In accordance with Colossians 2.15 in Jesus' name. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. At the very moment that any of them set their wills against us, at the moment that any of them participate in any manner, allowing these spirits in or through their territory, fire of God in the name of Jesus to hit them and strike them in the horrific agony. And I declare in the mighty name of Jesus, warrior angels to descend upon them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. I decree the fire of God to weld the pit shut, and I plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit for that. For only the Lamb of God, our Lord Jesus, can break the seals. Father, I also pray for the holy fire of God to swirl around every single person's household, to swirl in the midst of a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit and a thorny hedge of protection around our dwelling places, around our cars, around, our, around any mode of transportation, around anything that is of interest and concern to us in our lives and our walks as we serve you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Even, even items of comfort, we want divine protection around them. Father, we pray and declare in Jesus' name, eight-foot-tall, 
mighty warrior angels to stand guard at the uh, front doors of our homes, Father God, and angels to guard every single ingress, egress point around our dwelling places in the name of Jesus. We pray for a, in Jesus' name, a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission, Delta Force, Father God, mean and focused, Father, in the name of Jesus, to come against any indirect threat vectors, to shut down any portals in Jesus' name, that they will listen to the conversations in our workplaces, to our to the conversations amongst our bosses, make good eyes blind, good ears deaf in the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. We pray for that divine protection to be extended throughout the week. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus as you open up an open heaven with your holy fire around our prayers, around our praise, and around our walk. Here on this earth, we are praying, Father, that you will make it extensible, that it will last and expand outward as we go through the next week. We pray for this holy fire. We pray for this platoon of warrior angels. We pray in the name of Jesus that if any earthly or spiritual weapon or fiery dart exists at any time, that it shall be vaporized immediately by the fire of God in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, and we declare by your power in the name of Jesus that any... uh, demonic uh, agreement, any demonic um, uh, um, contract that has been placed against us or our loved ones shall be immediately vaporized again by the holy fire of God. And all of these entities, any of their uh, 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 funds from the kingdom of darkness, any of their spoils, Father God, anything that they have stolen from the kingdom of light will be taken back from them and will be used in the kingdom, in our kingdom, in the name of Jesus for the saving of souls. We cancel all schemes that have been placed against us. We cancel all assignments that have been placed against us and any penalties in the name of Jesus Christ that can apply. They do. We cast them into the pit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and declare the fire of God to expand and explode outward. Outward in Jesus' name like a super nanothermite explosion in the glory of God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray and thank you Father God in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Father, extend these prayers throughout the week. Protect our loved ones. Protect our interests. Protect them, Father, in such a manner that the the forces of darkness cannot possibly exist within the realm of protection that we've established through these prayers. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Because for our sins and for the 
God. Now we enter into communion. As your disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. That I'd eagerly yearn for this supper And that you suffer so its children could be fed I can only imagine the silence in the room As you passed on the bread to be told 
made enough understand the reach of his plan in his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn so we gather from memory the glory of the lamb the one who was slain for the seed of abraham as we long for your coming we imagine the feast the king and his bride when our waiting has ceased And went back up to heaven to plead to the heavenly force. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had power to call, and I can only imagine the thunderous sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains. All that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather remembering of our soul, destroyer of death, the Lord over all, the light in our arms, the edge of our souls. O King, and the Lord of all lords, for we Believe in a land All of creation Restored by his hand Eternity All is revealed By the time we remember All scars will be healed As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and its bright, when our waiting has ceased.
people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light who were once not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy therefore is the elect of God holy and beloved put on tender mercies Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. 1 Peter 2.9, Colossians 3.12, Philippians 4.8, Titus 1.15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. For even their mind and conscience are defiled. Now, how can you reconcile that? To the pure, all things are pure. That's because to those of us who truly and intimately understand our Father's motivations for doing what he has to do, we understand the purity and the holiness associated. That's why it says all over the Bible when it talks about our Father's judgments, I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. When we understand how all these things come together for the glory of God and for the salvation of the lost, then we understand that the motivation behind all of it is pure. Matthew 26, 39, he, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 1 Timothy 3, 16, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, 
seen by the angels, preached much to the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, and then received up into glory. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon us, please. We believe that you will. According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, we pray that you will blot out our transgressions. Father, wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sins. We acknowledge our transgressions. We confess of our sins before you, even those of which we do not know we have committed, because they are always before us. Against you and you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you, our Father, may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, we were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sins. Blot out all of our iniquity, Father. Create in each of us a clean heart a clean mind, a clean soul, a clean spirit, clean flesh. Wipe out, Father, blot out and forgive and forget all of our iniquity and sin, we pray in Jesus' name. Fill us with the presence of your Holy Spirit and guide us by the presence of your angels, not to grieve the Holy Spirit in our trials and tribulations and in our own personal struggles. Restore to us, Father, the joy of your salvation. Help us to keep our minds stayed on things above and not on things of this world. And then we will do the very best we can to teach transgressors your ways. Even though Matthew 22 says they won't pay us any attention, we're going to try. And we know, Father, with your anointing and just the right words to say that sinners will be converted to you. And last, Father, please deliver us from the guilt of our own past transgressions. God of our salvation. And that our tongues shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Supper, Holy Communion. First Corinthians eleven twenty three to twenty six. 
for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that our Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes for you. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Ani Lododi Lododi Lee. God bless you all. We'll see you next Friday, Lord willing.
Yeah. 